When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Hub City Homers. This is episode 57. We are back after the Red Raiders were dismantled by the Baylor Bears on Halloween weekend. By a score of 45-17, to 17, Baylor would score 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to kind of put the Red Raiders into what was at the time a close game into an absolute blowout. We're going to recap that, what went wrong, lessons learned, things that can be fixed, and maybe some things that you know at week nine you can't fix. And we're going to look ahead, as always, to the TCU Horn Frogs. Texas Tech will play TCU in the Fort Worth area. At 11 a.m., if you're there early, um, Big Noon kickoff is in town. Could be kind of fun to go to if you've never gotten a chance to do it. I know there are a lot of Red Raider alums already in the area who are planning to go to the game. And maybe if you weren't able to get a ticket, that's a really nice way to tailgate and kind of hang out and spend the pregame period. Again, that game will actually kick off at 11, so prepare accordingly. But we're going to start with Baylor, as we always do. And one other note, we're going to have a standalone basketball episode. The season is officially right around the corner. We're under a week away. Kendall is not here with us tonight. I'm here with Jack and Reed. Kendall's going to have a standalone preview. It's 15, 30 minutes, however long he ends up going, to really break down the roster, the schedule, expectations, all that jazz as the season is about to tip off. So let's get to Baylor, and let's talk about, first and foremost, let's talk about the defense first, because the offense is going to get a lot of heat um, deservedly. A lot of position groups and the play caller did not do a good job in this game. But I want to focus on the defense first because their effort is kind of overlooked, at least from what I've seen online. I, th- I think there is a little bit of a tendency to believe that they, um, you know, did enough. But let's really dig into what they did. Baylor in this game was not effective through the air. Shapin was not good on this night. He was 19 for 30, 211 yards. But it didn't matter because Richard Reese carried for 36 times, 148 yards. Quaylen Jones added eight more carries, 38. And Shapin himself had 30 yards on 10 carries. Those were the four major rushing components. A few other guys added a handful of yards. Total yardage for the rushing attack for Baylor was 231. They were under four a carry, but you did surrender four touchdowns on the ground. And again, 231 yards, no matter how many attempts it took to get it, just ain't getting it done. So let's break down what went wrong there first. Jack, I'll go to you. Who bears the blame ultimately from what you saw from the rush defense? You know, whose whose, uh, assignments were most regularly off that allowed Baylor to kind of exploit Tech's defensive front? And, you know, what what can they do to, to better prepare for a TCU team that similarly has some good rush attack potential? I think a lot of this game will be, I mean, I hate to sound like a broken record here, but you can almost blame it on the offense. 
Um, Baylor was out on the field for almost 40 minutes of this game, and uh, in pretty stereotypical fashion to what Tech has been doing to opponents recently with the amount of plays they're running, uh, the the script was flipped on Tech, and uh, it looked just about as bad as West Virginia did against us two weeks ago. Um, I really didn't hate the way the defense played so much. Um, they kept you in the game in the first half. Um, again, you're only down 17-3 to at half. I think it could have been a hell of a lot worse. Um, but in the first half, I believe the time of possession was somewhere around 22 minutes to about eight. Uh, and that's not a recipe for success for anything. Um, you, you got the, you got Baylor off the field, you know, quite a bit. There was some time as the game went on, you struggled on third down. Uh, but early you, you got them off the field when it mattered. Uh, granted they were, they were pretty successful on third down, uh, as a clip for the whole game. But, I think these guys were just gassed, and I can't really blame that other than they're not used to playing that many snaps because our offense has been running up 100-plus plays a game recently. Um, well, the script, like I mentioned, the script was definitely flipped, and uh, I think these guys were just absolutely gassed by about halfway through the third quarter, and it showed. Um, the other thing that... It, it doesn't surprise me, but I think, uh, I'll just say this. Their offensive front bullied our defensive front the whole game. And um, I don't want to say that surprises me, but I think to the, ex- the extent of it surprises me. So, you know, I, I, I knew that I wasn't stupid. You know, I know that their offensive line is probably the best in the Big 12. Uh, it's definitely in the top two. Um, but I really, truly didn't think that they would just flat out bully us all night. And that's what happened. Um, they did what they ran, where they wanted, when they wanted. Um, and we truly, really hadn't seen that, uh, against us, uh, very often. Um, I'll say this, uh, you want to compare, uh, Blake Shapin had 30 pass attempts in this game. Uh, they ran the ball 59 times for 239, 231 yards, excuse me, four touchdowns on the ground. As a team, they only averaged 3.9 yards a carry. Um, their main guy, Richard Reese, only averaged just over four. He averaged 4.1 yards a carry. The key here is that they re- he he himself ran the ball thirty six times, um, so they're averaging just about four yards a carry. And when you run it thirty six times, it's about one hundred and fifty yards. He ended up with one hundred and forty eight. Um, his longest rush was only nineteen yards, so their tech really didn't get hit by the big play on defense that often in this game which is a nice if you want to take one good thing away from this it's that they really didn't get beat um on on a on a big play really that much on the from the defensive aspect of this um i will say that uh i mean i I really don't have much more to say Uh, it's just the fact that your team was bullied up front um 
really on both sides of the ball. But like you said, we'll we'll get to the offense when we do. But um, I I was just kind of shocked at how um, at how they really bullied us up front. And um, if there's one thing I could really take away from this game. Uh, just looking at it on, and from this matchup, it's that Baylor's offensive line is no joke. They're, they're, I would say that it's the most impressive offensive line that I've seen thus far. Yeah, Baylor, I mean, I, I, it's, it's a tricky situation because you want, um, you want to give credit where credit is due. Baylor did an excellent job keeping Tech from sustaining any drives, which did wear out your, um, which did wear out your defense to an extreme degree. I think I saw the final time of possession was somewhere in the 40-minute mark. I mean, it was just an absurdly long game for your defense because you couldn't sustain drives for so much, especially in the first half. The flip side of this, though, was Baylor was not good in this game offensively. They just they just were not good in this game offensively. And um, that's a credit to your defense keeping them from scoring. But the flip side of this is, despite the fact that I felt like they weren't great uh, from an offensive standpoint, Baylor was able to get consistent yardage pickup on third down, especially third and long, which allowed them to sustain drives because, you know, Baylor, just like Tech, is very go-for-it heavy offense. Um, I don't know how many third and seven, third and eight, third and 13s where they got exactly what you would need to make it manageable, but they were consistently getting chunk yardage plays and critical get-off-the-down situation, which is on the defense. Baylor's on the field part, on, as long as they were because the defense could not get themselves off the field. You know, and and that that's that boils down to one big thing, which is the fact that Tech looked absolutely hopeless defensively from a scheme standpoint. Baylor exploited the crap out of Tech by moving guys around, checking into the correct play. Tim DeRuiter just got pantsed, is what happened. I mean, they they did not look ready for what Baylor wanted to do offensively, right? Like I said, I don't care how many points you give up, whatever. You give up 40 minutes time of possession on top of 230 yards on the ground. You are doing something wrong defensively. And here's the thing. I think the defense has been a bright spot all year. You know, they've been better than even I thought. The linebackers have been better. This was a terrible game for for the front seven. Um, Tyree Wilson's going to have a great future on Sunday. He flashed in this game in a couple of moments. He made some great plays. But him and the, the entire defensive line were completely unprepared to handle Baylor just tossing it to the outside. They were undisciplined. They got washed out over and over and over again. And the linebackers failed to scrape over the top. Right? Like, I... I I don't want to blame the defense for the loss because you're not going to win any game in which your offense just can't move the ball. You know, like the fact that Tech was in this game at all was because the defensive effort was there until the fourth quarter. Um, And even then, most of your points came off of, you know, interceptions and turnovers, short fields and pick six. Um, So I don't think the defense was was just god-awful in this game, but they weren't good. This was one of their worst performances by far. And, you know, when your offense is struggling and your defense can't get off the field, you're not going to win many games. Now, the red zone defense was phenomenal, right? That's where Tech bowed up and stood strong. When Baylor was forced to throw, they got to Shapin. Shapin was not good in this game. I mean, he just was legitimately not good. Baylor gave the one sack, but you had about four or five pass hurries. um, And you had a, a... QB hurries and you had a couple pass breakups. You also had a lot of great moments where Shapin was forced to run. Unfortunately, you didn't contain him, but you did flush him out of the pocket fairly regularly. He was 
pedestrian. But it didn't matter because you couldn't get off the field because when you're in third and eight and Baylor knows they can run a toss sweep for five, I mean, we're, we're, this is modern football. They're going to take that five yards and they're going to turn around and do it again on fourth down. You know, I think on, I saw a third and 13. They ran a little check down screen, picked up nine. Right. Like you're just you're talking about a four down team, a team we knew was a four down team. And we just didn't look prepared to handle that. Um, you know, you talk about Baylor's offensive line in this game. They're very, very good. Tyree Wilson and the guys did a good job getting home, getting pressure and true passing situations. But they got washed out of plays. And that's just reality. Um, you know, when you look at when you look at the receiving yards for Baylor, right, like it was a really balanced effort. Um, because just nobody got that many catches. Gavin Holmes led their way five for seventy-seven. Hall Presley four for fifty-eight. Every other Baylor receiver listed here had uh, the next three guys had over ten yard catches or over ten yards and at least one or more catches. Um, the longest catch on the day was thirty. Um, so you didn't give up a lot of explosive plays, but it's just, I mean, it's just hard to to say we we had a good defensive effort when you could not get off the field. Flip side of this, though, is I'm read here's where I'm going with this next. This is now the the second or third game, depending on your perspective, where the, the, the rush defense, you know, because I, I don't necessarily count Texas as that bad of a rush defense effort. You know, B. John Robinson is B. John Robinson. That's a tough out no matter what. He's going to get yards. But this is now your third game, really, where you've played good rushing attacks and just kind of gotten gashed. You know, what do you do to fix this heading into TCU? Um, you know, the... the Max Duggan's playing his best football now, but TCU still a lot of it's based on one his mobility, and two their backs doing some some good work. You know they've got Condre uh, Miller's at 851 yards on the year. Um, um, Duggan has 276. Um, De at 299. They're over as a team. They're at 1700 rushing yards on the season. It's a good rushing attack. You will not beat TCU not being able to defend it. What do you do? What what what's the fix here? How do you get off the field and stop these long backbreaking drives? Yeah, I mean, there's probably numerous ways to look at it. Really, um, I wasn't able to watch a whole lot of the Tech and Baylor game, but uh, so I'm not sure kind of how much pressure uh was applied in terms of of uh of blitzes and, and that sort of thing or how many guys we just kind of sat back waiting to let the play come to them um and that sort of thing because i think tcu is probably going to look at this baylor tech game from last weekend and try and play the same exact way that baylor did because uh, uh, you know in my opinion there was there was definitely times where the score was close um, but early on in the game i did not feel confident you know, kind of moving forward as to how it was trending uh, on really on both sides of the ball. I didn't really think we played well either, either side um, to even really be in the game in the third quarter when we were um, part of that. It's just turnovers, but uh, that kind of happened later on anyway. But I, I really don't know, honestly, because there's not many weaknesses on that TCU offense. Obviously they're number six, number seven in the nation for a reason. And, uh, in that playoff talk for for a reason, so uh, you're just gonna kind of have to pick your poison. I would say, uh, personally, I kind of feel like you got nothing to lose really going on the road against a team like them in Fort Worth. So I'd probably send a lot of blitzes, and see what happens, um, force Duggan to make some throws because I obviously he's a lot better this year than he has been in the past. But uh, I think where he kind of makes his living is being able to scramble and move. 
so if we kind of send the house on him some and force him to make some ill-advised throws, uh, maybe possibly give us a chance to get off the field, uh, create some turnovers to an extent. Because uh, outside of um, Quentin Johnston, I'm not really sure what they've got in terms of receiving core. Uh, and obviously, as you mentioned, Kendra Miller is a pretty good running back. So um, they've got some other guys back there. I think they can move the ball pretty well. So uh, if you, you kind of want to stack the box and force them to throw maybe, um, I guess you just kind of have to take what you can get to an extent. Um, really what's going to be the, the main thing is if your offense can help your defense at all in this game. Because uh, I think that was kind of – went kind of hand-in-hand last week is – not being able to move the ball, not keeping the ball longer than we needed to, not scoring the ball, uh, didn't help your defense catch its breath or, uh, you know, kind of get time to figure anything out. So uh, hopefully find a way to play some more complimentary football. And, you know, I don't I don't expect to win this week, uh, especially after how we just played. But uh, I'd like to think we're still good enough to make it a competitive game and kind of keep TCU on their heels at least. Uh, and kind of take it down towards the end of the game. But, um, you know, like I said, answer your question, I think the only way I would really look at it is to send pressure and, uh, you know, just kind of see what happens. Yeah, I think complimentary football is a big part of how you help your defense out, especially against run-heavy teams. It's concerning, to say the least, right? We're at Game 9. You are what you are, and clearly the weakness of this team are teams that can line up and run right at you. Kansas State did it, Texas did it, and now Baylor's done it. TCU's a very balanced offense, and we'll break down more of that matchup coming up. But like Reed said, you know, it's a pick-your-poison situation, and teams are starting to get the blueprint, right? Like, you, you've got a very active defensive front, but if you just don't really have to throw much over them, it doesn't really matter. If they can line up and just punch you in the mouth over and over again, you're in some trouble. Um, I'm going to flip now to the offensive side just because there's a lot to get into here, and none of it's good from my perspective. Jack, I'm going to open this one up for you first because I think you're going to have an interesting perspective on the play calling. Um, I'm of the opinion, you know, Zach Kittley came in with a lot of hype and there have been moments in which I've been impressed by what he's doing. I think this was his worst effort by far, um, by, by, I mean, we've had bad offensive efforts where I thought, you know, the play calling wasn't great, but really you just didn't execute. I don't know what the hell we were doing this game. I don't know what the hell we were doing for large sections of this game. He did nothing to help you. You know, what did you see? Are you, do you disagree? Are you on the same wavelength? What needs to change from a play calling perspective for Tech to have success through the weaker half of their schedule? I think that it was pretty evident. I would agree. First off, yes, I agree. This is the the worst effort by far. Um, it's really interesting to me, and I've been asked by a couple people um, how I felt at the start of this season the fact that Kitley stands on the sideline and he's not in the press box. And the reason that he gives is so that he has a better feel for his guys and a better feel for the game and see how they're feeling. And he's not relying on talking to them through a headset. Um, what the hell? Like, do you, can you not, can you not sit here and tell me that you can't tell what's going on in this game? It's not rocket science. If you have people like us three, us four really, sitting here and saying this is what happened and then watching the Monday press conference and being like, so this is what happened and it's the same shit, like, I'm sorry, but 
the whole reason you're down there is because you have to have a feel for the you want to have a better feel for the game. Well, that that went out the window apparently. I, I guess we were just down there to socialize. Um, I, I'm just for the record, I'm not a huge fan of offensive coordinators being on the sideline. I understand it with a younger quarterback, and I guess I can kind of see the argument for it. Uh, you know, just being able to, you know, talk to him face to face and kind of get how he's feeling, kind of see where his worries are. But God, man, there have been some times where I just feel like if he could sit up in the press box and see what the defense is throwing out there better than how it's being described to him through a fucking headset, that a lot of our problems would be solved. You know, I just, I just don't understand it. Um, maybe I never will. And, you know, maybe it's not my place to understand it. That's his prerogative. And, you know, if he wants to die on that hill of staying on the field, um, then that's his thing. But if the whole reason you're on the field is to feel have a better feel for the game, then, damn it, have a better feel for the game, you know? Um, I want to get into a little bit of this, and um, we'll, I know we'll dive more into this. The three-quarterback thing is fucking stupid. I'm sorry. Uh, just stop it. Just go with someone. You know, we've all been sitting here, and we've been – you know, throwing throwing the idea, you know, is it this guy? Is it this guy? You know, let's try this guy. It's, we're in, we're in the ninth game. This is going to be the ninth, or I guess the ninth, yeah, this is going to be the ninth game of the year. It's time, it's time, way past time, honestly, that you have a guy. It's time to go to him. And it's time to, if it's Baron Morton, it's the future. It's time to get him some reps. Um, I, I can't really describe the frustration that I had watching the running backs play so well and have them be so underutilized. Uh, I feel like that's been a common theme this year is to go back into the Monday presser after the game. Oh, you know, I should have gotten the running backs some more touches. Well, damn it, man. I mean, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice or fool me twice, you know? Like, you can't get fooled again. So, I... I just don't know where we go. I mean, you you were horrible in the passing game. Absolutely terrible in the passing game. Baron Morton was sitting in the sitting in the pocket and he was never comfortable. Uh, from the first drive, he was never comfortable. Um the line played terrible. Um I mean, this is a this is kind of scatterbrained right now as I'm just sitting here thinking about all this. But let's focus on the passing, you know. Um, he finishes the game 11 of 34, 152 yards, one touchdown, three picks. Um, this is a kid who had his really his first really bad game as a freshman. And it came because he was, he was thinking back there in the pocket. He wasn't reacting to the play that was happening. Um, there were a couple plays that I saw even in the first quarter. Uh, I think it was a third or fourth down where it was an, it was an RPO and he had the option of he, and he pulled the ball, right? So he pulls the ball and he's up looking for, he has miles price open and he had, I think he had Nehemiah Martinez open as well. And he was about to throw it and he just double clutched for some reason. And, the, it, the the Bears' defensive backs came down over the top, and he had to throw the ball away. 
great decision to throw the ball away because there were a couple plays where he didn't throw the ball away where he should have. But that was just... To me, that's where the whole thing started, and it never got better. Um, it, it really just seemed like he was he was thinking. Um, it, you know, I say he's just thinking. He's not he's not playing reactive football. He's sitting back there thinking, "Oh well, if I throw it now, what should I throw it now? Should I throw it now? Should I throw it now?" Man, just let the just let the game come to you, man. Um, but like I said, he never never really looked comfortable. He was backpedaling in the pocket quite a bit instead of stepping up in the pocket when the pressure was coming around the outside instead of stepping up into a more secure pocket you know he's backing out trying to make too much happen um again i i will touch on the running backs again really quick um taj brooks had a great game average 6.1 yards a carry sir Roderick thompson had a great game average 6.6 yards a carry they only got 26 carries between the both of them um that is an abomination, and that's not the first time I've said it this season. Will things change? Who knows? Um, but it's the one positive from this offense, from this game, was how good Taj and Sir Roderick were. Um, I do want to touch on the line really quick again. Um, Joey McGuire said yesterday in the presser that both tackle positions were open for the taking, so they're going to reopen the position battles for the tackles. Uh, I've been screaming for this for months. Um, your left side of the line has been pedestrian at best for most of the year, and those are the guys that are supposed to be your leaders. They have more experience on this line than anyone, and they're the ones getting burned. Um, your center got burned a couple t- on a couple plays where the dude, I remember one play where I just saw the nose guard just literally move his arms and just go right back and sack the quarterback. Um, Baylor finished the game with six sacks, um, eight tackles for loss, uh, six pass deflections, three QB hurries, and five picks. Um, that's just... Uh, that's a game you want to forget. Um, their defense, we made their defense look like all-world um, defenders after they let West Virginia score 43 on them the week before. Um, so that's pretty embarrassing as well. Uh, I, I did tweet after the game. I said that the game was absolutely embarrassing. Someone quote tweeted me and said that's a little strong wording. Um you know, I don't know what you would call a forty-five to seven loss on Patrick Mahomes' night on Halloween weekend with a blackout night game uh, on national TV, but um, I would call it embarrassing. So um, I'll just wrap it up with the fact that um, you know you mentioned there's not a whole lot of good here. Um, the The good stuff was the running backs. The bad was literally everything else. Um, one thing that I would use in the future and make it, you know, I've both talked about this and I'm interested to hear your take on it as well. Um, let's put some tight ends in the game with their hand in the ground. Uh, that has not, that has yet to be stopped, uh, when we've done that, uh, let them in there to block, to help the line. And, uh, there are times where you can, you know, have them chip someone off and then go run a little five yard out and you can throw that. Um, Baylor was pretty much taking away the deep ball and we failed to utilize the, uh, you know, 
three to eight yard passing game for pretty much the entire night. Um, there were no quick passes. Everything to me looked like it would, it was one of those, uh, it was like a five step drop and it needed time to, uh, you know, evolve down the field when they're taking that away. Let's, you know, let's hit the short stuff to the sideline, get the ball out of the kid's hand quick. It builds confidence it moves the ball quickly, and it gets the tight ends involved. I'm going to talk about this until I'm blue in the face. Get the tight ends the ball. We have the best tight end room in the conference, much less the probably in the top five in the country. And we can't get them the ball more than five times a game. Get the running backs the ball. Get the tight ends the ball. I don't care if any receivers have two catches at most for the rest of the game. As long as the tight ends have at least five, I'll be cool. There's <clears throat> The problem with, with what's going on with the offense is because we brought Zach Kittley in to, to make Tech kind of return to the older era of, of Tech football, which was a lot of really exciting you know, high scoring, fast pace, blah, blah, blah. Some of that we've seen, and he's not playing with the best hand, right? Like, this offensive line is just frankly terrible. You know, I, I, you know, there's no other way to sugarcoat this. They are not good. They've been banged up, and they've gotten worse. Um, this is one of the worst performances I've seen from an offensive line played at this level. Um, I mean, they couldn't... Because here's the thing. I don't expect them to suddenly, like, show more talent, um, you know, from... from uh, 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 um, um, like a, a pass blocking perspective, you are what you are. Um, you you just you're not going to suddenly become these world beating, you know, stand strong offensive linemen. But the flip side of this is like the shit that they were doing wrong is stuff that I promise you, you are taught how to avoid freshman year in football. If you were a freshman offensive lineman, you know what you're told: don't let anybody beat you inside. What did Tech do? constantly last night guy looped out somebody looped in nobody picked up the guy looping inside we went with the guy going outside you know what the number one rule is any good offensive lineman coach will tell you if you feel someone going away from you somebody's coming back there's never going to be a snap in which the offensive guard should ever be looking outside first if you're slide protecting, that's the only excuse. And even then, the center has to know better to get his hands up and stop the guy looping around. And then because, like, your tackles just sucked last night. I mean, there, there's there's no other way to say this. Um, they were just terrible. It, I, I, I was embarrassed for them watching that. You know, they just got slapped around. They looked like little kids. Like, they looked like a, a, a JV team playing a varsity team. I, I watched them just trip over themselves, get bowled over. Um, they couldn't block basic twists. Baylor realized early on in that game, we can rush three and we're going to get home. And that killed any hope you had of successful offense. But here's the flip side of this. Because Baylor was so confident in that, they never loaded the box. They were so certain that Tech was not going to run the ball into a light box, they never bothered to put anybody else in. Because if I'm Baylor, right, like Tech's most successful player is running back, I'm at least hesitating a little bit. But no, because Zach Kitley's idea of running with the backs is, well, we're going to line up in that one formation, and we're just going to snap straight into it when Baylor checks into a better, more favorable box for them. But, you know, we got five guys in the box right now. Eh, we're just going to get take another sack. 
I mean, look, Boy Wonder's got to figure it the fuck out. He makes way too much money to not see the shit that everybody else has seen. I don't know if the problem's him on the sideline. I don't care if it's the problem's him on the sideline. I, th- this is my thing. We and I'm not going to say who because the conversation was overwhelmingly respectful. So I'm not going to get into who. But we did get a message from a member of the co- a coaching staff's family member asking us to watch Tone. And I think that's fair. I don't think these guys are bad people, and this isn't about character. But we pay Zach Kitley six figures to be good at this. And I'm not asking for perfection. Your offensive line's not suddenly going to get better. But what I'm asking is recognizing that the two best players on your offense are the two running backs. Baylor figured that fucking out. And they ran that kid 36 times. After last week, they ran him 30 times. And they came out of last week saying, man, we really don't want to do that. They handed the ball off 46 times to their two backs. 46 times. And it worked. Our backs were far better in this game than that kid from Baylor, right? Despite all the success, all the time of possession, everything, Tex backs dominated that kid, but they couldn't get the ball. And when they did get it, it was whenever I was drunk at a Halloween party watching the game wind down. I looked at the formation Tech was running and said, that's a run. Hand off inside two yards because everybody could do it. I was I think like seven cocktails in, it could still recognize what was happening because Zach Kittley is not doing his job. And nothing frustrates me for than when, you know, we bring in an offensive guru who can't count box, who can't use the things. We talked about this shit last year with Sonny Cumbie. It drove me up a wall how often we sat in base sets and just snapped into the box. Baylor, they put two guys down the line, would motion across, would motion another guy across. Why do they do that? Because it creates favorable matchups for their best player, which is their running back. Blake Shapin's dinged up. He's not very good. They know that. They know he's limited, especially right now coming out of his injury history. They're doing everything they can to help their freshman back find favorable matchups. Tech has two better backs than that kid and refuses to use them. It's it's maddening, right? Because, you know, I tweeted something. The conversation that happened started because I tweeted that I felt like the staff wasn't prepared. And the individual wanted me to know, like, all the hours they put in. I'm not doubting in that. I don't mean unprepared as in they're not trying or don't care. I mean unprepared as they're not seeing what everybody else has seen. And I don't know why. I don't think I'm a better football coach than Zach Kittley. I don't think I understand X's and O's a fraction as he does. But when even I know there's a problem with not just being able to run your two backs averaging six yards a carry more than what I think the top was 16 times in this game, when Baylor's doing the same thing, but what you should be doing and it's working, I I don't know what the fuck we're paying him for. I can call the game. I can do it. We're going to hand the ball off about 45 times a game until somebody proves they can stop Thompson and Brooks with any consistency. Nobody's done it this year. Shit, the offensive line can't really rush block either, and those guys are still falling forward for three to five yards every snap. I mean, the only times we're getting blown up is when Tech lines up in the most boring-ass formation possible, snaps right into a loaded box. When we don't do that, those guys are moving the ball. And it's just frustrating as hell because, like, this... New staffs get a, a window to be to figure it out. I'm not asking for perfect. What I'm asking is the basic recognition as an offensive coordinator who very much knows the game of football to say, I have been counting boxes since the time I was you know, 15 years old in high school football. That's how long he's been counting boxes. Do that. Scheme to help your guys because you, you have a problem 
with your quarterbacks right now. You have a problem with your offensive line right now. You have a problem with your receivers right now. The only position group that has no problems are the two guys who are absolutely tearing up. Put the fucking ball in their hand and you will win football games. If you don't, which we didn't do against Baylor, this is what happens. Baylor dominates time of possession. They run your defense into the ground and you can't sustain drives. And this is can, okay. Can, Jack, can I tell you? Can up. I tell you? Can I tell you a? Can I tell you a stat that will, yeah, will make ahead. you pretty angry? Um, through eight games, both of our guy or both of our running backs are averaging four point nine yards a carry. Both of them. They Sir Roderick Thompson has eighty nine attempts. Taj Brooks has eighty six, and Taj Brooks has six touchdowns. Sir Roderick Thompson has three, but they are both averaging point one shy of five yards per carry. Yeah, and that's like, I don't know national stats off the top of my head, but if you told any Tech fan that, you would think that the guys getting the ball the most are those two guys. Because here's what you want to think about. You guys remember DeAndre Washington? He was a 1,000-yard-plus rusher at Tech. I think he finished that final year with like 1,500 yards. reason why was because when Cliff Kingsbury was here, Cliff was bad at a lot of things. One of the things he figured out in a hurry, I have a good run-blocking offensive line, and I got a back who can make things happen when he touches the ball. I'm going to turn around and hand it off to him. I'm going to make sure he gets his touches. And if I'm not doing it in the, in, on the ground, I'm going to do it through the passing game. And we refuse to recognize that. That's before, and Jack got this, and I'm going to go to Reed here in a minute to switch over to TCU because this shit pisses me off too much to even talk about much longer. But the three-quarterback thing is unbelievably stupid. It is game nine. You should not be still playing fucking games with the opposing staff trying to say, well, you don't know who our starter is. Because you know what? Somebody got mad about this, but the reality is the team doesn't know who the guy is. They can't. We've been splitting reps all season. Is it Shuck? Is it Morton? Is it Smith? And the whole hurry up with Smith thing. I, I have been angry at Tech football coaches this year for things that you know, you should be angry about. Like, oh, that was a bad decision. Oh, I didn't like that play call. That was straight up, like, the dumbest decision I've ever seen from a tech coach this year was you bring a cold back up off the bench. You snap him in a package. Great. I don't like the packages, but okay. You got what you needed to do to get the first down. You let him run the hurry up. He's been throwing on the sideline maybe five minutes. He just he he's waiting by you because he needs to know when his number is going to get called. He's ice cold. And what happens? The offensive line does what it does all game. The protection breaks down. He throws a terrible path. Shuck, he's been throwing off and on all game for about five minutes here or there. He comes in ice cold, throws a lame duck pick six. Pick a guy. I don't even give a shit who you pick. For all I care, pick an offensive lineman and start him at quarterback. Pick someone. Build around them. Stop playing the game. If it's Baron Morton, just come out and say, Baron's our guy. We may play the others in packages, but Barron is going to get every first team rep outside of those packages. Because for one thing, it's hurting all of their developments that they don't know who's starting because it's wearing on them. It has to be killing Shuck to not know what's going on. It's killing Morton to feel this pressure on his neck. And this is a very smart staff. I think they can figure this out, but they got to earn a paycheck now. We're we're out of the honeymoon period for this offensive staff because this isn't growing pain shit. This is just... Do what we pay you to do. That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking you to suddenly make Tech the world's greatest offense with a bad offensive line. I'm asking you to do what we pay you to do, which is make the easy decisions. 
Now I that think, rant. I think, well, I think I think you could make the argument that this ended the honeymoon phase for the entire staff. I think that there's been an extended honeymoon phase, but I think after that performance, I think it's completely it was brought to an abrupt end. And I, I don't know, right? Like, I don't know. I, I'm not going to call... Like, Matt Wells' year one was so bad. I was done with Matt Wells after his first season because I saw nothing that screamed to me that this guy could have it. This team's shown great moments and they've shown success. But this, from an offensive staff perspective, this is when... This is the first time all year where I've just been like, dude, we're paying these guys. We're, pay- we're paying Zach Kittley six figures for this. Because I can go out there and call a game that would have generated more offense at times. Just because I could have been like, there are five guys in the box. We have five offensive linemen. Let's run into that box. If Baylor starts crashing down really hard to stop that, then we'll start throwing it to the outside. We'll make it quick and easy. I I, I don't get it. And look, I'm people get on us all the time for being like, you know, armchair quarterbacks, all this jazz. Guys, I don't want to pretend that we're all, we're experts compared to these coaches, but if you're sitting there and seeing the same things we are, you have to ask yourself, why isn't the guy who does make six figures not figure it out? Because he doesn't need you to cover for him. He's rich. So I, I don't need to be hearing about how I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not pretending to be the world's greatest ex as those guys, but I could count. I can figure out. I can look at numbers and see who's who on this team is most effective. So let's. If I can ask the staff to do anything, if any of these guys give a shit about any of our opinions, it's just to hand the ball off. Hand the ball off. Use your formations. Use foot motions. Use check into favorable matchups because they've done it at times, right? Like we just against West Virginia, we just did it. We torched West Virginia by being like, "Oh, they're backed off. We're going to throw there. Oh, light box. We're going to run underneath it." They're expo- we're going to pull counters and we're going to run guards. We're not just going to run base zone. So I don't get it. it. It confuses the hell out of me. And I could we could rant about this all day, but we've been cutting Reed out of this conversation as he's patiently listed to us, lose our shit. So I'm going to give him the next question. Reed, we're going to switch to the TCU game in full now because I want to I want to break down the Frogs. For those of you who watch the College Football Playoff there show, they are number seven in the country. A lot of controversy about that. Reed, I'll just ask top just you know, top to bottom, are they a top 10 team in this nation to you? Should they have been ranked higher? Yeah, I think there's no doubt they're a, they're a top 10 team. Uh, anybody that's undefeated at this point uh, in the Power 5, I think, should be in the top 10 without question, uh, no matter really who you're playing. Um, there's, there's a lot of aspects to look at to really kind of determine where, where teams could go because I've seen some stuff about uh, how people think they could be as high as four or, you know, lower towards 10. Um, but they ended up at seven. So, I I mean, I, I think that's probably a, generally a good spot for them. Uh, they have beaten the two other top teams in the Big 12. So, I mean, it's tough to say really what's going to happen long term because if they went out, I think it'd be hard not to put them in, uh, especially if they win the Big 12 title game. Uh, I think you kind of have to put them in at that point. But I've seen a lot of stuff about – People looking at a one-loss Alabama, and uh, you know, you know the whole the whole SEC spill because you know people are biased towards them. They've got three three powerhouse teams this year, uh, which makes it even more tough to you know kind of squeeze a Big Twelve team in um, if they were to lose a game. So, um, you know, I I think this is probably one of the worst times to play TCU. Uh, I think they're they're now that they know where they're at, uh, they know what they've got to do to try and cement themselves into that 
uh, you know, firm conversation down the road. Um, you know, obviously they're trying to win every game anyway, but I think they know now that they got to win out in order to even stay in the conversation uh, at this point. So I, I think that, uh, you know, we probably didn't catch many great times, especially coming off, of, you know, the game that we just played and when it was arguably probably our worst performance of the year uh, in, in every facet. But, um, you know, this TCU's, TCU team's good. Uh, I, I don't know for certain if they're a lot better than the Kansas State or Oklahoma State teams that you faced, but uh, they're probably more balanced than both of those two. I'd say Oklahoma State's a little more pass-heavy and Kansas State's a little more ground-heavy. Uh, I think TCU's done both fairly well. Uh, part of that's just the progression of Max Duggan and uh, what he's been able to do through the air and on the ground, but he's always been a good good ground guy. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how we respond, too, because I just don't really know what to expect at this point. Uh, I thought last week we – I mean, I thought we were going to win last week, obviously, but uh, I didn't expect the showing that uh, that was that – was, uh, put on for us by any means um so hopefully we're able to just even make it a game after what i just witnessed last weekend but i i'm not confident heading into this week but uh i do know that there's there's probably some exploits that tcu's got it's just going to be our staff's job to go find them and try and exploit them a little bit better than we did with baylor I want to go back to you on Max Duggan because we're going to dive into his game first. He was not the starter to the start of the season. Um, Chandler Morris was hurt against Colorado. Duggan assumes control right there. What about Duggan has impressed you the most this year with his development? Yeah, I mean, really before this year, I'm really not a huge Max Duggan fan. Uh, he was kind of in that same realm as Spencer Sanders for me. Uh, heading into the year where they're just kind of guys that have been around a while and just never really found an identity and had turnover problems, had, you know, kind of problems reading defenses and that sort of thing. I was just never really sold on him as a quarterback in this league. Uh, this year he's been, you know, everything that he's uh, needed to be for TCU. He's been really good managing games, been good late in, late in games when they've needed points. He's done really good at uh, moving the ball, making some smart moves. Uh, I think he's only thrown like one or two interceptions all year. That's really, um, really big thing because, I mean, hell, Tech just threw five in one game this past weekend. So uh, that's, that's a big jump. And, uh, you know, I, you know when, with, with not starting the year as as the quarterback for as long as he's been at TCU, that probably had a lot of fire under him because uh, not to knock Chandler Morris, but, I, I mean, I don't know if Chandler Morris is really better than Max Duggan. Um, I mean, maybe as a – pure passer possibly, but uh, as a quarterback and a leader, I don't really know if many people could argue that, but, uh, you know, Duggan's been there for so long. I think it was kind of a slap to the face to him probably to not be the name of the starter game one. And he probably took offense to that and he's kind of used that to fuel himself along the way and play as well as he has. So I think he'll be one of the quarter better quarterbacks we've seen so far. Um, hopefully we, uh, we prepare for that and know that beforehand. So, uh, we're going to have to be ready to face him both on the ground and through the air, like I mentioned earlier. And um, I don't really know what direction uh, or route we need to attack him in, but because, uh, like I said, he's really hadn't had much weakness this year. But uh, the only thing I can only really think of is just kind of sit in the house on him and see what happens at this point. Because if we lose, we were supposed to lose. So I just kind of see what happens and, and go from there. 
Yeah, I have not been a Max Duggan fan, you know, very notably so. He has not, and his career, impressed me at all, uh, which does bring us to 2022, right? You know, Duggan is on easily his best season as as a as a Horn Frog quarterback. Uh, I mean, his, his completion percentage is almost 5% higher. He's creeping to close to 70%. He's limited the interceptions. He's increased his TDs drastically over the full seasons in the past. Um, he's only thrown the two picks. His rating's rising. I mean, just he's better in almost every phase of the game. The ball looks better leaving his hands. Um, looking back over his last few games, 341 against West Virginia. He was 280 against Kansas State. And against Oklahoma State, he was 286. No picks in any of those games. Eight total touchdowns through the air. Um, I mean, it, it, it's just an impressive performance. That's before we get to the rushing attempts, right? Like, against Oklahoma State, he was not as good through the air. His, his completion percentage dipped to 57%. He's rushed for 57 yards, made up for it on the ground. Um, against OU, that huge beatdown, he had 116 yards on the ground on five attempts. You know, that's that, when you start to look at Max Duggan, you're starting to see the passer that TCU always thought he was going to be. He was not until this point in his career. You know, this is the leap forward. Oklahoma State fans have been crawling about Max Duggan making, or uh, Spencer Sanders making that he hasn't made. So Max Duggan's having his best season, and this is what he he's supposed to be for them. If you're tech, though, you're playing for house money, so you just bring the house, uh, and you just pray that you can you can find a way. I mean, I, I felt better about this game until Baylor. I think you got exposed against Baylor. Um, I don't think you can't win this game, but they're a 10-point favorite for a reason. Um, it'll be a neutral site-ish environment. You know, I'm not expecting, you know, 50-50, but it'll It'll be about 60-40. Um, the cost of tickets likely knocking out some of Tech's fans' ability to go um, if you weren't able to get it through those packages. I mean, you think resale tickets are still around 200 a, a, a pop. So it, it's not cheap to go. So I won't be surprised. One, it's not going to be a sellout. There will be empty seats. And two, I won't be surprised to see less Red Raiders there than normal after Baylor and with the prices being so high. But it's going to be a mild environment. And, um, you know, they're just, they're going to be a tough out offensively. They are very, very balanced. Um, you know, they, they run the ball extremely well. And a lot of that's driven because Max Duggan's such a threat on the ground. That's the other thing about this. Even though he hasn't been, you know, super big in the, in the ground game the last couple of weeks, uh, he adds such a unique dynamic on the ground that it makes teams think about it. And it's also helped that, um, you know, at the same time, Duggan's had to kind of stick a step back from the ground game. Miller is at, here. Here's his last three. 120 against West Virginia, 153 against Kansas State, 100 against Oklahoma State. KU, he dipped under 100. OU, 136. So those three games most recent, does that's a trend. And then if you want to look back a little further to five games, which is about half the season, you're still seeing the same trend. He's a beast back. And Tech is dealing with some issues dealing with running back. So I'm, I'm not looking forward to that matchup. But I do want to switch to the TCU defense, which has not been as good. Um, for record, they gave up 31 against West Virginia, 28 against Kansas State, who lost two quarterbacks in that game, 40 against Oklahoma State, two overtimes, 31 against Kansas. OU managed 24 with no quarterback. Um, other notable scores in this game, SMU scored 34. Colorado, their only other relevant game was 13, but Colorado is maybe the worst country team in the country, but a lot of high-scoring affairs. Um, Jack, what are you seeing from the TCU defense? Can Tech find a way to exploit those matchups? I think the name of the game uh, with this team against TCU is going to be your time of possession. Um, what we did against West Virginia, controlling the plays and the clock, and what Baylor did against us is what we need to do to this TCU team. 
Um, I would just implore you to look back uh, at last week's game that they played against West Virginia. Um, pretty much even stats uh, throughout this one. Um, total yards, they had both had over 400. Uh, TCU had about 490. West Virginia had about 430. Uh, the difference came in the passing game. Uh, TCU had 340. West Virginia had 275. Um, rushing yards, both right around hovering the 150 area. Uh, both had six to seven penalties for roughly 50 to 70 yards. Both turned the ball over twice. So it's a lot of similar stuff that you're seeing in this game. Um, West Virginia really didn't be- I mean, no, again, no offense to any West Virginia people. Uh, you know, I did a pod with a West Virginia guy a couple weeks ago before the Tech-West Virginia game. They're great people uh, on all accounts that I've dealt with them. Um, but the the difference in this game was time of possession. West Virginia didn't belong on that field with TCU. They are no, in nowhere in the same stratosphere as TCU in terms of football team. Uh, Neil Brown, his days are numbered. Uh, the the team just doesn't get up for big games. Um, but they but the way that they kept this one close, and the final score was 41-31. So they kept this within 10 points. Um was the time of possession. Uh, West Virginia had the ball for 36 minutes, and uh, TCU had it for 24. Uh, you know, that's you could kind of almost narrow it down to about a two-thirds uh, situation there. It's close to two-thirds in favor of West Virginia. Um, I think the longer you can keep this TCU offense off the field, the better chance you have in this game. Um I would also implore people to look back at the only game where they really had um, where they had problems was I, I guess I mean I would go back to SMU right uh, the SMU game they were outplayed in all in all facets and TCU even had more time of possession it was almost half down the middle it was thirty one to twenty nine um, but in that game TCU had a lot of penalties. So I, I think in this one, you're, I would, first off, I'd run the ball. Run the ball until they could stop it. Um, I think that having a quarterback that's a true, true dual threat, you could really get some good RPOs in there, and maybe not even the pass option, kind of just like a, you know, you're, it's a read play, right? Like you're reading the D, the DN, and if he collapses in on the running back, you know, pull that sucker out and run for five yards. You know, I'll take a five-yard carry from a quarterback. That's nothing to shake your head at, especially if you're going to keep the ball for, you know, seven to nine to ten minutes and march down the field and keep that ball out of their offensive hands. Um, again, like you said, the defense is kind of weak. Um, I mean, you mentioned it. Uh, they've let up 31, 28, 40, 31, 24, and, and those are their Big 12 games. Um, two of those are at home. Um, they haven't won a Big 12 game other than the Oklahoma game. They haven't won a Big 12 game by more than 10 points. Uh, so they've all been kind of a little closer, and um, for a couple of them, they've been down by two to three scores, and that's their whole that's their whole MO, right? Like they're going to, they're going to start the game slow, but they're going to work back methodically and uh, 
make those halftime adjustments that Sonny Dykes likes to make and go from there, right? So I think in this game, it's imperative that you jump out to a good start on offense. You got to hit them in the mouth and you have to, you know, they're known for starting slow. So you have to hit them in the mouth and you have to control this game in time of possession. I think that if Tech can get at least 35 to 40, like about 35 minutes of time of possession, and you have a game where you're running the ball effectively and keeping it out of the offensive hands, I think this game can be within a score. Um, I, I, I truly believe that. I think it might be, you know, they might kind of be overlooking. Uh, they have a night game on ABC against Texas the week after us in Austin. Uh, I would not blame them for overlooking us, uh, especially after that stinker we laid last week. But that's the, that's the thing, right? Like, it's an 11 a.m. kick. Um, this past weekend against West Virginia was an 11 a.m. kick. Kind of going to be, uh, I wouldn't know if you'd call it a, a lax crowd, but, you know, it it might be a lot less than it was before this Baylor game. So, you know, if it's kind of dull around there, around 11 a.m., you know, lull them to sleep. You're looking for positives. I think on the from the defensive side, uh, I would say you have to limit Kendra Miller uh, as much as you can. You're not going to keep him under probably 80 yards. Uh, but if you can keep him to double digits, I would count that as a win. Uh, I'd try and keep the ball out of Johnston's hands. West Virginia did a fantastic job of that. Uh, he ended up having... Uh, you know, he ended up having four catches for 76 yards and a touchdown, but his touchdown was 55 yards. So if you take that away, he has three catches for 21 yards uh, for the rest of the game. I, I'd say that's a pretty effective uh, way to keep him out of the game. And again, like you mentioned, um, West Virginia was also also excelled excelled at limiting Max Duggan on the ground. Um, six carries for two yards. Uh, and his longest rush was six. So he essentially had, you know, five carries for minus, what is that, minus six yards. So uh, it's it's pretty good for West Virginia. And so on from the offensive side of the ball attacking their defense, I'd run the ball until they stop you. Utilize the tight ends. Uh, their linebackers are really good. Their linebackers are really good. Their DBs are really good. So you seriously need to think about running the ball 35 to 40 times in this game and control the time of possession. If Tech is able to do both of those things well, uh, this could be this could end up being a closer game than people think. We're kind of at that time again, so we're going to go into predictions. Um, you know, there could be more to be said about TCU. They're a good squad on a great season. Um but I think that, you know, it's so hard to predict what Tech is going to do. It's hard to even discuss how Tech is going to approach this. So I just want to get a sense for where we're at through these predictions. Get a feel for how confident you guys are based on, you know, the differentials. Um, and just kind of kind of just get a feel. You know, we're, we're over the halfway point. You know, we've got a few games left. It's going to be a good indicator of do we think we can make a bowl game based on what happened Saturday. So, Reed, I'm going to go to you first. <laughs> How, how, who wins this game? What's the final score? How do you see it playing out? Yeah, it's going to be kind of really just kind of based on what you said and what tech team really shows up, I guess. I guess part of that's going to depend on who starts at quarterback because 
Uh, it still kind of seems like that question's up in the air. Uh, I didn't watch McGuire's presser on Monday, but you know, I, I think it's still Baird Morton's job uh, based on the amount of reps that he had in the game against Baylor. While he didn't look great, uh, I've got to think he's the one who trots out first on Saturday. So, um, like you guys said, I think you got to run the ball. Um, hopefully, we're able to do it effectively. Uh, if not, I think it might be a long day uh, for for the offense again. Uh, hopefully, Kitley's not shy from giving those two guys some touches if it is going well for them. Um, you know, possibly uh, TCU could be looking at that Baylor game, like I said last week, and they're going to try and do the same formula to you. Uh, I mean, if I was them, that's what I would do. Because, um, I mean, I think effectively they pretty much shut you out of a lot of stuff of what you wanted to do and um, really just kind of took you out of the game plan that you wanted to have against them. Um, I'd like to think we'd keep it semi-close because, uh, you know, honestly, I was telling people before this Baylor game, um, I didn't think this was a, as a staff and a team that would ever really get blown out. And then uh, it happened last weekend. So uh, that kind of throws that one out the door a little bit. Uh, well, while it really kind of stacked up towards the end there, uh, 45-17 is not really a close loss. So um, I'm not really sure what I'm feeling, honestly, because I, I got a sour taste in my mouth from from Baylor, uh, especially how we closed, like I said. So uh, I think it's going to be a little bit of a high, higher score. Um, I mean, obviously, TCU's offense is pretty good, so I think they're going to put points up no matter what we're able to do on defense. So uh, it's just going to be a matter of us kind of containing the ball and Hopefully, man, I want to put some points out back against them. So, um, I think I think we battle for a while. Uh, I think to kind of end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth, is kind of when we start to see the separation um, from from TCU. So, I'm going to go 42 to 31, Horn Frogs. I'm going to say, you know, I I hate to do this because I I, I don't like to pick against Tech that often, but you just can't feel like you're going to win this game after Saturday. You just can't reasonably think Tech is going to win this game. Uh, That being said, I think that Tech has a good chance to if they do just the easy stuff right. You you just have to to be better at the stuff that isn't hard. You know, you have to... We talked about it. Count the box. Check into the right play. Disguise your plays a bit more. Use motion. Use movement. Um, help your quarterbacks out. Pick one. Give them every rep on defense. You know, give your guys a chance to breathe and also, you know, be sound. Set the edge. Protect the outside. Um, make tackle guys in space. You know, text them mixed reviews there. If you do the easy stuff right, then you're. It's just going to be. Is TCU better than you outright? Maybe. I. I'm. I'm not doubting. They're. They're unbeaten top ten team for a reason. I don't think they're overwhelmingly more talented than you, but are they a better football t- team than you? I think so. And that's going to show on Saturday one way or the other. Are you going to come out and play like you're pissed off after what happened and really jump on a TCU team that I think will overlook you a little bit um, in an environment that's not particularly favorable to them? Or are you going to come out there after Baylor, kind of like some of the other tech teams have in years past, other other coaching staffs, where it just doesn't seem to bother them that they're getting their ass beat? You know, they just don't play with any passion. I'm expecting a Coach McGuire-led team to come out with their hair on fire. I just think TCU's, it's it's got that team of destiny feel, right? Like, look at all the stuff that's gone right for TCU to, to, to make it this far unbeaten. It's hard to say that you're going to be one who ends the unbeaten streak when you just have not yet 
the entire year strung together two full complete games back to back and you're coming off a really tough loss but I think it can be close I think it'll be a fun one I think TCU's going to overlook you I think they're going to be caught napping a bit by the environment I think that you have a chance to really push them and then you know just get it close enough you have a shot at the end of this game Right, As crazy bad as you played against Baylor, until you fall apart in the fourth quarter, you were right there. So just do that against TCU and then execute better when winning time comes around. And we'll just see if we can make something happen. It will be an upset. You are not supposed to win this game by any measure. And you're not supposed to win many more at all this year. So let's be clear here. You're up against it, but you can get this done if you do the easy stuff. I just I gotta see it before I start believing it. I'm gonna say this is gonna be a pretty high scoring game. Let's say Frogs win forty. Let's go thirty eight. Uh, uh, thirty. I think that's uh, that's kind of a weird score, but a couple of field goals you get there. Um, t- tech covers by a couple of points. It's close. TCU adds a little bit more late to kind of make it that full one score game. But, you know, I, I would be happy to be wrong here. I'd be happy to see the staff figure it out. I'd be happy to see Kitley come off his worst game, game he did not earn his paycheck in, and then just really go and earn this next paycheck. So let's see what happens. Jack, how are you feeling? Uh, unfortunately, I'm not as optimistic as you two. Um, I, this game against Baylor is just going to weigh too heavy on my mind until they do something right. Uh, to offset the difference. Um, TCU hasn't scored less than 38 points all season. Uh, I don't think this game is any different. Um, I think that you keep it close for the first couple of quarters, um, and after halftime, I just don't think that we can keep up with their halftime adjustments. Um. If their offensive line bullies us, I, like my, like I said, I think my my key things to look at are limiting Max Duggan on the ground if he's not throwing the ball well. Um, I would also, like I said, try and hold on to that ball as long as you can. Uh, run the ball. Um, I just I don't have last week just took it all out of me. I'm gonna be honest. Uh, I was really I had really high hopes. Uh, that this team could possibly win eight, maybe even nine games and just prove a whole lot of people wrong. Um, my hopes are not that high anymore. Um, I think that, like I said, you keep it close, but I just think Duggan's having too good of a year. Like you mentioned, make it. This just feels like a team of destiny thing for me, the team that no one was looking for. Um, Kendra Miller's having a stud year. Um Quentin Johnson's going to play on Sundays. Max Duggan will not, but um, Quentin Johnston will, and Kendra Miller probably will also. But um, I think you lose this one. Um, I think you lose this one, and I'm going to be honestly be generous as to what I'm thinking here. And I'm going to say you lose this one uh, 56 to 35. I just think that after last week, nothing has changed in what I've been preaching at about running the ball and keep and all that. And I truly think that with how good TCU secondary and linebackers are, that that's the only way uh, you can keep the time of possession uh, in your favors if you run the ball well. 
and I just haven't seen uh, not even the blocking, but the play calling to suffice. Uh, so I'm going to go, uh, you know, 56-35. Um, I do still think Tech can make a bowl game for what it's worth. I think you can beat Kansas at home, and I think you can beat Iowa State on the road. Um, Oklahoma at home is another story, especially if Dylan Gabriel gets his shit back together. But um, right now, I just don't – I think it's close early, but then I think TCU pulls away in the third quarter. Yeah, I mean, this is this is adversity time, right? Like, coaches preach this all the time. This is when things get hard, is when things are not going your way. How do you respond? There's been a lot to be happy about this year. There's been a lot to be disappointed about. And, you know, when you're talking about what should Tech do now and how is this going to go, we're going to learn a lot about what this coaching staff can do because, you know, the guys are got to be wearing down. There's a lot of hurt players. Um, you know, it, it is not a great time to be, um, you know, a member of the tech football team right now. This is hard. This is really, really hard to get over a game like this, but this is where you earn your money as a coach. This is, it's right here right now. Can you motivate your guys when they're kind of feeling down and out? And if you go out there and play with some passion, play with some, some energy, um, you're going to prove a lot of what people are hoping, which is that this staff, this team is different than all the other tech coaches who have come in and failed. These guys are able to motivate. They can build on, you know, even things that go wrong and just find ways to continue to keep guys engaged. I believe that they can do it, but you got to prove it Saturday. You know, you're playing against a, a better team than you, team that's played well all year, team that has had your number a lot in the past. You know, you've had games against TCU that have been close and hard fought and you've had some where you've got slapped around but it's, it's a, to- a hotly contested rivalry what are you going to do how are you going to respond that's what we're all waiting to see um you know if i'll i'll learn i learned a lot about this team saturday night we'll learn a lot more if they can shake it off and and go to go to war and try to spark something as a run like Jack said, I don't think bowl eligibility is out of reach. I don't think any of us think that yet. But you got to go show something on Saturday to keep people engaged, keep people motivated, prove that you can still do it, that you still got some magic left. And God forbid, if you get an upset out of this game, if you ruin TCU's best season in years, um, power to you. I mean, it would be one of the biggest wins of the program the last 15 years. Maybe uh, the forgot, biggest win. Yeah. yeah. Forgot to mention... Uh, Fuck the TCU Athletic Department for not selling tickets to this game. We didn't touch on that. We should have. Donati, you're a snake, just like your former boss in Del Conte. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to be at the game um, for what it's – FYI, I was able to get tickets before they exploded on the resale market for, like, ridiculous amounts of money. Um, they still weren't cheap. 300, 300 last I checked today, $300 per ticket. Yeah, I got mine before it got too bad. It was still like one something a ticket, which and I'm sitting dog shit way up high, uh, home side seats. So I'm not. I paid a premium for not great seats. Um, I'll be there with my dad and my younger brother. Um, but you know, look, the reason why I didn't I didn't bring this up earlier is one because I think Jack said all there needs to be said about it. But number two, if you do have the opportunity to go, be loud. You know, like if, if they're gonna be scared of us, let's give them a reason, and let's see how it goes, guys. Keep your ears peeled. We'll have another podcast released um, 
sometime this week. I just need Kendall's schedule. He wasn't able to be with us tonight, but he's going to record a basketball-specific preview for us. Uh, as always, reckon guys, I was joined by Jack and Reed. I promise we're going to get all four of us on before this bat- football season ends. But, you know, we're going to start balancing basketball content in here, and hopefully, we're if we're win or lose, hopefully we're talking about a much better game next Monday after Saturday. Kickoff at 11. It'll be on Fox for those of you watching at home. Um, Big Noon Saturday is in Fort Worth. If you're a, a DFW alumni who wants to just hang out a bit before the game, great place to go. So enjoy the rest of your week. Um, look forward to the weekend. Hopefully we can pull something out of our ass. Let's get it done. Have a good one, guys.